1: It's one of the core principles of Christian life, and it's to be modeled in a godly marriage. Yet the concept of submission is widely misunderstood. Today, on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah seeks to clear up the confusion with a close look at the Bible's specific instructions for wives, husbands, and children. From the series, Christ Above All, here's David to introduce his message, The Christian Household. Well, the Bible speaks to us about the
0: importance of the family in Colossians, Ephesians, and 1 Peter, some in 1 Corinthians. But there's no book in the Bible called Christian Marriage and Family. Uh, We we find these truths scattered throughout the New Testament. One day I remember someone told me... uh, something that gave me insight into why this is true. You see, in the New Testament days, uh, when Paul wrote these letters to the churches, these churches met in homes. It was like uh, when he sent a letter to the church, he sent a letter to the house, and uh, they met. They met with their families. They gathered in the living room or whatever they called it. They had church in their families and their families in their church, and so the truth of the New Testament doctrine was ingrained into their hearts in ways that we don't understand now. Thank God there are passages that deal with some of the issues um, in the family, and one of them is before us today as we talk about the Christian household, part one. This is Colossians 3, 18 through chapter 4 and verse 1. And this material is all available to you, not only as you listen to it on the radio today, But it has been captured, and it is in a book now called Christ Above All. It takes you through every verse, every line of the book of Colossians and helps you understand what it says, what it means, and what it means to you. That's always our purpose whenever we do a study on a Bible book. So we're uh, halfway through the book of Colossians, and we'd like to encourage you to get your copy of the book, Christ Above All, Here's How You Do It. Send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of August and just say, I want to help you with what you're doing, getting the Word of God out around the world. Here's my gift. Please send me the August book, and we'll do it. It's our privilege to do this, to add value to your life as you help support us in the worldwide initiative of the gospel. Well, here's part one of The Christian Household. Gail Urban was browsing in a Christian bookstore one day and she discovered a shelf of reduced-priced items. Among the items was a little figurine of a man and a woman, their heads lovingly tilted toward one another. On the bottom was the inscription, Happy 10th Anniversary. It appeared to be in perfect condition, yet there was a tag on that little figurine that said, Damaged. Gail said when she turned the tag over so that you would understand where the damage was, she read this on the other side of the tag Wife is coming unglued. <laughs> I know a few wives that come unglued, do you? I hope you're not married to an unglued wife. I'm sure that tag would describe many modern marriages, wives and husbands coming unglued. I read about a husband and a wife who fussed and fought for 50 years. On their golden wedding anniversary, the kids got together and decided to give them a gift. It was a trip to a psychiatrist. They argued who was going to pick them up, and then they argued about who was going to sit where in the car when they went. They finally got over to the psychiatrist, and for 15 minutes they argued back and forth over who was going to tell the story of what was wrong in their marriage. Finally, this young psychiatrist, who had only been in practice for a short time, he had had it, and he decided to try a little shock therapy. So he walked over to the little old lady, pulled her up out of the chair into his arms, and planted a long Hollywood kiss right on her mouth. Then he turned her loose and said to the husband, Now, Pops, she needs that at least three times a week. He said, I can bring her Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You know, some marriages don't have a clue, do they? (laughs) In the passage that's before us in the book of Colossians, we have a better plan. In addressing his Christian readers, Paul is now going to outline the new responsibilities that husbands and wives and parents and children and masters and servants have now that they're Christians. When Paul begins talking about the Christian household, he begins with the relationship between the husband and the wife. It reminds me of the experience you have on an airplane. The flight attendants give the passengers the instructions. For those of you traveling with small children, in the event of an oxygen failure, first place the mask on your own face and then place the mask on your child's face. It's easy for husbands and wives to put the oxygen mask everywhere on everything, from children to job to church to hobbies instead of their own relationship. But in Colossians chapter 3, Paul is telling husbands and wives to first keep the oxygen supply of love flowing between the two of them. And he begins with some instruction to wives. Colossians three eighteen, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. This is another one of those passages that a lot of pastors I know just sweep past, because if there is one word you will hear periodically among married folks, even Christian married folks, that can cause a great deal of consternation and some women to bristle, it's the word submission. In fact, I've noticed in many of the modern marriage ceremonies, they have deleted that word because the bride and groom just don't want it in there, even though it's in the Bible. I heard about one man who was getting ready to go to church, but his wife couldn't go with him that day because she was at a women's retreat. Lo and behold, when he got to church, his pastor preached on wives submitting to their husbands. When his wife got home from the retreat, she said, how was church today? He said, it was very interesting. She says, what do you mean? He said, I learned today that I'm in charge and not you. I learned today that I'm... The boss and you're nothing he didn't see his wife for three days (laughs) then he could see just a little bit out of this eye right here (laughs) that's how angry some people get about this passage of scripture so first of all let's take this apart and make sure that we're responding to what's really in the scripture let's talk for a moment about the concept of submission submitting to one another in the fear of god is a passage found in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, and Colossians and Ephesians are almost the same in these areas. But here's something I want you to know. In the Ephesian passage I have just read, Paul reminds his readers that submission is a requirement that goes way beyond the boundaries of marriage. Everyone who fears God will be characterized by a spirit of submission, first to Christ and then to others. Remember, Ephesians 5.21 says, everybody who's a Christian is in an environment where we're submitting to one another in the fear of God. The concept of submission. Again, in Ephesians 5.22 and here in Colossians, we learn about the center of submission. We read, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. In Colossians 3.18, it reads this way, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. As is fitting in the Lord. Submission is not just wives to husbands, but it's also wives to the Lord. The primary relationship in a wife's life is not her relationship with her husband. If she's a Christian, her primary relationship is with the Lord Jesus Christ. The priorities of a godly wife are the Lord first, her husband second, her children third, and all of her other responsibilities after that. So listen, if you have obedience at the top level, If you are submitting to the Lord, all the rest of this stuff sort of just takes care of itself. The concept of submission, the center of it, now notice the context of it. This is kind of an extra thing, but it's really important. It says in Ephesians 5.22, wives submit to your own husbands. Now watch this. Wives are to submit only to their own husbands. Somewhere along the way, some people have interpreted this passage to teach that all women are to be submissive to all men. That's not true. Paul made it clear to the Galatians that when it comes to our relationship with Christ, men don't stand any further up the chain than do women. We all stand together at the cross. It's level. Listen to this passage in Galatians. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Please do not try to take the guidelines for a Christian marriage outside of the context of the home, or you will be in violation of the Scripture. So that's the instruction to the wives. Now, wives, if you feel a little bad that we started with that, let me tell you that for every one verse of instruction to the wives, there's three of instructions to the men. We need a lot more help. Since wives are asked to submit to their husbands, we might expect that the command to the husbands would be rule, lead, be in charge. But the Apostle Paul does not say that. Instead he instructs husbands to love their wives. Colossians 3 husbands love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Paul begins his instructions to husbands by urging them not to act harshly or with a heart of bitterness toward their wives. Instead, they are to love their wives with a Christ-like heart of love. It is important to note that the word Paul uses here for love is the word agape, which is the one word that describes the powerful love that God has for us. Since we've already introduced the passage in Ephesians, it's a little more explicit to the men as to how they are to love their wives. So let me just take you through that little paradigm. First of all, husbands are to love their wives unconditionally. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Did you know that Christ was not under any illusion when he sought us in order to love us. Did he know that after he loved us and died on the cross for us that we would still mess up a lot of times? Sure he did. He's omniscient. But he loved us in spite of all of that. He loved us as we were and he knew what we would be. He loved us with our imperfections. He loved us in such a way that we understand immediately that there was nothing in us that caused him to love us. He did not love us on the basis of our performance the way christ loved the church is the way men are to love their wives our love in marriage must embrace all of the faults and failures that we each bring to the relationship christ's love for us was not idealized it was not romanticized he loved us as we are and the bible says husbands love your wives as christ loved the church if you're in one of those marriages where your husband Is Trying to change you so that you are more like what he wants you to be or perhaps the other way around I'm just going to tell you straight out cut it out. Don't do it You are who you are you will change along the way by your relationships, but the Bible says love your wife as Christ Loved you as he loved the church Secondly in Ephesians. We are told that husbands are to love their wives sacrificially Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and listen to this and he gave himself for her the supreme demonstration of the costliness of love is The love that is seen in Jesus Christ when he went to the cross Love is expensive Just as Christ gave himself on behalf of his bride, the church, so the husband is to give himself sacrificially for the benefit of his wife. Husbands and wives know what it's like to give up some of the things on their priority list so they can serve each other. Love means sacrifice. When you love someone, listen carefully, you are willing to give for them. You are willing to give up for them, and yes, even willing to give in for them because you care about their needs more than you care about your own. When you are truly in love, the welfare of your partner becomes more important than your own welfare. Husbands are to love their wives unconditionally and sacrificially, and then this one is a little more difficult to make the application, but I think we can do it. Husbands are to love their wives purposefully. It says in verses 26 and 27 of the book of Ephesians that Christ loved us as his own in order that he might sanctify and cleanse us with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, these two verses teach us that Christ had a purpose in loving us. His ultimate goal was to present us to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, a holy and without blemish bride. Now, how does that translate into our marriages? Listen carefully. I have a goal in loving my wife that is reflected in this purpose clause. My prayer is that I will never be guilty of holding my wife back from being what God wants her to be out of deference to my own selfish needs. I have watched this over the years in some marriages where a wife is very gifted. She has an ability that goes beyond the normal and she becomes promoted in leadership, perhaps. And if her husband doesn't understand this principle, he will begin to do everything he can to hold her back. A husband who truly loves his wife is her number one cheerleader. He promotes everything that she does just as the wife, the husband. And Paul said, love your wife purposefully. Love her seeking for her to become everything she can, and you be part of the process of helping her arrive at that place. Husbands are to love their wives passionately. And I just want to tell you, I'm not going to the bedroom with this passage. Ephesians 5:28, 29. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. The Bible says, men, that we're to love our wives the same way we love ourselves. And that's a superfluous statement because the scripture says that when we get married, we become one flesh. So I don't have to love my wife as myself. I love my wife because she is myself. And I am herself. And we're one. Paul gives us two clues as to how we carry this out. He says, first of all, we're to nourish our wives. When a husband nourishes his wife, he sees that her needs are met ought to be a fulfilling task for the husband to do everything that he can do to meet his wife's needs. Nourish is a picture of investing in our wives with a view to her well-being. This is what it means to provide emotional nutrition for our wives. Here are some encouraging words we cannot forget about. I do not feel complete without you. I appreciate the way you have cared for me all these years. I am so glad I married you. It's nice to wake up next to you every morning. I'm proud of you. I love you. I'll go to the mall with you. <laughs> All of those on the same level, men, you need to understand that. Amen. <laughs> we're to nourish our wives and we're to cherish our wives. The word cherish is used in the New Testament to describe a nurse caring for a sick patient, or a mother caring for a newborn baby. And what's at the core of cherishing is one word that isn't in the vocabulary of many husbands these days. It's the word tenderness. You know, we are all into this macho stuff. We watch too many movies. But when it comes to our relationship with our wives, men, we need to work on the tenderness part. So there you have it, Paul takes care of the wives he takes care of the husbands now he's going to talk to children I'm sure you're glad we're off this part so now you can enjoy what I'm going to say to the children Colossians 3 20 says children obey your parents in all things for this is well pleasing to the Lord you know obedience is a fundamental building block of the home whether there are Christians in that home or not obedience is what makes a family work Here are four biblical reasons for obeying your parents from Colossians and Ephesians in the companion passages. First of all, obedience is a principle of morality. Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Colossians tells us that obedience to parents pleases the Lord. You say you want to please God? You don't get a lot of statements like this in the Bible. You have to kind of figure those out but here's a very clear statement. Kids, if you want to be pleasing to your parents, do what they say. Obey them. Ephesians puts it this way. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, that used to mean a lot more than it does today, because today nobody knows what's right and what's wrong, and we've blended it all together, so there's a big old mess in the middle. How plain and simple is this truth. There is order in nature, ordained of God, and it argues for the rightness of certain actions. And it is right that children should obey their parents. Why should you obey your parents? Because the Bible says it's right. It's the right thing to do. You say, well, I don't believe. Well, I don't care whether you believe it or not. It's true. It's right. It's pleasing to the Lord, and it's right. Secondly, obedience to our parents is a precept of Scripture. Notice Ephesians 6.2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. I remember the first time I really discovered what that meant, and it was so powerful to me. Did you know in the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments are without a promise? But when you get to this commandment, which is number five, it tells you that if you obey your parents, there is a promise. I believe that God is underlining this great importance of this instruction. We are to obey our parents because this is God's design, and there's a promise associated with it. Here are some of the promises. Obedience is not only a principle of morality and a precept of Scripture, it's a protection for the children. It says in verse 3 of Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents, that it may be well with you. Now, I knew that personally, living in the home I did that if I didn't obey my parents, it would not be well with me. <laughs> so I didn't test that too often. I'm sure there are disobedient rebels out there who have violated this command and have somehow made it through life unscathed. But truth be told, I have never met one. I just really have not. The simple fact is that everybody has to report to somebody. That doesn't stop when you turn 20. 20. Everybody has to learn the principle of submission to authority. If we don't learn it at home where it's supposed to be learned, then we will struggle with it all of our lives. And someday there will be a notation in our personnel file that says, Struggles with authority. I've seen that happen over and over. Obedience is a principle of morality. Do it because it's right. Obedience is a precept of Scripture because there's a promise associated with it. Obedience is a protection for the child that it may be well with you. And number four, obedience is a prerequisite for a long life, Ephesians 6.3, that you may live long on the earth. Now there's all kinds of things going on. In fact, I talked to someone this morning who told me you should go check this out because it will give you longer life. Well, there's some things in the Bible that tell you there's some general principles that give you a better shot at long life. Obedience is a prerequisite for a long life that you may live long on the earth Discipline in a child's life is usually conducive to good health Does that mean that a person who's disobedient always dies young and a person who is obedient always lives into his 90s? Of course not Let's face it a person who grows up in Rebellion against authority has put himself on a path that leads to discouragement and destruction People who follow God's instructions have a much better chance of living a longer life. And that needs to start when children are children. Hmm. Somebody once told me that you always have to report to someone throughout your whole life. And if you don't learn how to report to your parents, if you don't learn how to report to your teachers early on, you'll be struggling your entire life spiritual life. I had a friend who worked on the campus at Cedarville when I was growing up, and he struggled with authority. And I remember one day hearing him shout to somebody who was asking him to do something, I don't do what other people tell me to do, I do what I want to do. He didn't last very long. Believe it or not, he went into the ministry. That didn't last very long either. If we don't learn how to deal with authority, if we don't get rid of the rebellion in our heart, we don't go very far. And we're learning that uh, in the book of Colossians. Hey, it's Friday. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Get to church. Watch Turning Point on television if it's in your area. Most of all, get to church. I keep harping on that because that's so important right now for people to get back to church. And uh, we'll see you right here on Monday for the next edition of Turning Point. Thanks for listening.
1: For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Christ Above All, please visit our website, There, you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, be sure to ask for your copy of David's new book, Christ Above All, a verse-by-verse study in Colossians to help you truly know who Jesus is. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard New International and New King James Versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, Christ Above All, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you want to learn more about the person of Jesus Christ, the book of Colossians offers an unrivaled portrayal of our Savior. And to help you understand this important book in a deeper way, Dr. David Jeremiah has created a verse-by-verse study called Christ Above All. This helpful book and album are yours when you donate $60 to Turning Point. And with an $80 gift, you'll also receive the written word journal. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca.
0: Christian author Bruce Larson once suggested how the northern and southern regions of Germany differ in their outlooks. In the north of Germany, he said, people will say, the situation is serious but not hopeless. In the south, Larson said, people say the opposite. The situation is hopeless but not serious. Whether that's a correct analysis of the German people or not, I don't know. But I do know that one of those views is biblical and one is not. Many modern people say life is hopeless but not serious. But Christians can always say that even when circumstances get serious, they are never hopeless. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's hope on Route 66.
1: Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.